having a good day. We're here to ruin it. I'm Anna. And I'm Jordan. And this is Ruin Your Day. Yay! Well, hello! Hi! <laughs> Welcome to Ruin Your Day. I am Anna. And I'm Jordan. Um, and we are so glad that you could join us today and you decided to click play on that, um, whatever you're using to listen to this podcast. Um, and so we want to jump right in on this very first podcast, or episode rather, Um what this podcast is about. So Ruin Your Day is a podcast that covers all your favorite crimes and horrible events in history. We cover everything from like volcanic explosions to mass murders. And our goal is to shed some light on things that keep us up at night while paying tribute to the victims. As true crime fans and mental health advocates, we firmly believe in the use of humor to work through some tough subjects. And we believe that humor and horror don't have to be separate. And so that's really just, you know, what we're trying to accomplish here and have fun while doing it. Yeah. (laughs) Ditto. Ditto. So (laughs) you will be listening to this. It will be January 3rd. We are definitely recording this beforehand. Um, Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's still the year of our punishment, 2020, right now for us. (laughs) Okay. Um, and, but you know, 2021, we're going to start it off real strong with talking about more horrible things and ruining days like 2020 did to everyone on the planet. Sure did ruin my day. (laughs) My day for 365 days. Every single one of them. And it was a leap year too. So we had an extra day thrown in there. I totally forgot about that. That was so long ago. (laughs) I, you know what? I love that. I've seen a couple of things. We are closer to... 2021 March than we are 2020 March and I don't know how to process that because I'm still processing 2020 March that no that doesn't seem correct right I'm in pain everyone's in pain well so with that being said you know we're we're past it hopefully you know hopefully some some good things are happening by the time this comes out um and yeah, we're we're just we're really excited to get this going. And um so when you hear this, like I said, it's gonna be January third when this comes out because our story today corresponds with that date, which you'll learn more about in a little bit. Um but before we get into it, so because it's the new year, we've passed the holiday season. When we record this, we will be we ha- will have just passed the holiday season. And Anna, I have to ask you, what was your favorite gift that you oh got? Oh my gosh. Um Mm, I got so many adulty things like cooking ware and stuff. I'm <laughs> like, I so, think that's when you know you're an adult when yeah. you get cooking stuff and you're excited about it. Oh my God. I got my first cast iron skillet. It's still sitting over there, still waiting to be seasoned and used. And I'm just so excited. I, I almost cried when I got it. It's a very and nice I, skillet. I'm really excited about it. Um, and that's when I knew that, yeah, I was getting old. <laughs> I think I've known for a while, but uh, that was that pretty much solidified it for me, right? So that, and then the instant pot that my dad got me—I was really excited about I that. Know, I cannot wait to see what you you cook in that thing. Me too. I've heard, I've heard people just love them. Yeah, I mean, and the one that my dad got—it's like giant. Like it's bigger than I thought it was going to be. 
And I was like, dad, what did you do? What did you get me? You got me like a cauldron, like a, I don't even know. But so I'm excited for that. Well, you can put your witch's brew in it. Excellent. Excellent. Get ready. Wonderful. Well, and I feel a little bit about your pain on um, how big your instant pot yeah. is. I got an air fryer. And oh, it's yeah. Giant. Yup. And I, my kitchen's not that big. <laughs> and also, it's full of stuff already because I'm a big cook. So I already well. have a bunch of stuff. So my roommate, roommate and I are trying to figure out where to put it. And so we've like discussed cleaning out the pantry. I don't know if that's going to work. We've discussed cleaning and organizing the top of the refrigerator <laughs> as a place for it to go. But right now it is hanging out by my coffee station, just looking at me longingly, ready to be used. Use me. No, I, I understand that. I got an air fryer too last year and it is just now coming out of my cabinet. Like it's, it's sitting on my counter right now. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. I see I it. I love it. But yeah, no, I was in the same position. I was like, where do I, what do I do with it? And I finally did a little rearranging. So yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned. I know that that is like right now the biggest hurdle I've got to jump is figuring out where to put my air fryer. Where does it go? Where does it go? Where does it live? Help. If you have any suggestions, please let us know. <laughs> how, to, how to organize your kitchen. Please tell me. <laughs> So, well, I think we're going to jump right in um, to the story today. And um, so what we are talking about is um, a fun little thing called the Curse of the Pharaohs and specifically King Tut. And Anna is stoked about this. I'm so, so, I have like a weird fascination with uh, like Egypt and all that. So I'm, I'm psyched. Like, let's go. Let's go. I've definitely always wanted to visit Egypt. Same. And I think it has everything to do with when, like, in school we learned about ancient Egyptians and all the crazy things that they did and happened with them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, um, when I, I lived in Houston um, a couple of years ago, and there is um, the, the science museum there, mm-hmm. and there's, like, a whole exhibit with, like, devoted to ancient Egypt, and, I mean, I could spend hours in there. I mean, it's just so, like, there's mummies, there's, like, like a sarcophagus, all that good stuff, so... Uh, yes I love it it's my fave the reason why I am talking about it and Anna is not is so that she can just sit and listen and make comments so that she can just have all the freedom and flexibility get ready so I'm the one who's got the script so as we begin I just want to cite all of my sources um so I got a lot of this information from National Geographic History.com the CDC LifeScience.com Britannica Historic UK, Biography.com, Mentalfloss.com, and Penn Museum. And also, I just want to put a disclaimer in here that there are a lot of hard names to pronounce in here, and I didn't have time to get hooked on phonics. <laughs> no. So just bear with me. Well, how dare you? I'm sound like a sound like a first grader I'm trying re- to pronounce words. I'm so excited. This is going to be the best part. Let's go. So first of all, I want to set the scene. Okay. London. Okay. 1922. I'm there. The First World War had just ended. Nightclubs, jazz clubs, and cocktail bars are just flourishing in all these cities. Fuck me up. (laughs) Also, because we're women, got to give a little shout out to the women of the time. They're feeling more confident. They're feeling more empowered. And all of this new independence um, is reflected in all of their fashion choices. So you've got shorter hair, 
shorter dresses, shorter tempers. <laughs> Women are also smoking and drinking and driving. Novel. Wow. I mean, just calm down, everybody. Wow. How dare they? And they're just flappers everywhere. To be a flapper, man. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm here, here for, for it. it. I'm, yes, I'm there. Put me there. So what do you do when your country is experiencing peace and prosperity? You dig up old people. Ooh, okay. All right. So we're going to talk about one of the guys, or actually the guy that's digging up old people that, dug, that found King Tut. Okay. And his name is Howard Carter. Okay. He was born on May 9th, 1874 in Swaffham, Norfolk, England. <laughs> See? Oh, it's already started. I was so confident. You, were, you went in with so much confidence. Did it. No, you were there. I, you know what? Just, it's okay. Keep going. Just keep going. You said it right. I'm here. For- <laughs> so Carter was all about Egypt from the very beginning. Um, and through his father's connections, he found a job working for an archaeologist who needed an artist to draw his findings because that's how they would like document. They keep journals and um, they would draw what they saw. So okay. at age 17, Carter joined a British sponsored archaeological survey in Egypt. So that was his first experience in Egypt. Um, he next served as the inspector general for one of the um, oh for the Egyptian Antiquities Department. And while supervising that, he um, he supervised some excavations in the valley of t- in the valley of the tombs of the kings. Lots of these, lots of of these in that phrase. The valley of the tombs of the kings in 1902, um, and he discovered. Here we go. You ready? I'm ready. Let's go. He discovered the tombs of. Oh boy! <laughs> Can't even get it out. <laughs> It makes me, it makes my palms sweat. Oh, no. Hatsuputs. That was good. You did it. And Thutmos. Thutmos. Thut. Like T-H. Thut. Thut. Thutmos. That's just a little taste of what's to come. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm ready. So, um, moving right along. In 1907, he was hired by a wealthy English aristocrat, Lord Carnival. Carnarvon, Carnarvon. Okay, that one. Yeah, that guy. Lord C. Love C. Oh, C. (laughs) Who was also fascinated by Egyptology, and with his backing, Carter led um, the excavation of the Egyptian nobles' tombs. So, in 1914, Lord C. received a license to dig at a site that was believed to be the tomb of King Tut, where he rested. And so he gave the job to Carter. Carter was his right-hand man. And and so Carter then hired a crew of workers to help him find the tomb, but then was interrupted by World War I. Everyone had to go fight the war and also war zones and whatnot yeah um so that was put on hold and that's why you we have all this big history before the 20s and then it jumps to the 20s after the first world war okay so war ends we're back on it november 4th uh, 1922 uh, carter found the first sign of what proved to be tut's tomb and it wasn't until november 26 that the second sealed doorway was reached behind which were treasures. And treasure. Tra- treasure. Treasure. On um, 
February 16th, 1923, Carter opened the innermost chamber and found the sarcophagus of King Tut. And this discovery made a huge impact. King Tut's tomb was far was by far the most intact of all the tombs that were excavated and artifacts were well preserved including the sarcophagus and uh, Tut's mummy and it took them 10 years to remove all of the contents holy shit of which Carter supervised all 10 years wow right and we'll get into it a little bit later but like all the contents and all the artifacts that they found that's not even all that he was originally buried with holy it still took 10 years Damn. Right. To be that rich. Right. So we're going to transition into a segment that I like to call the life and times of King Tut. Hell yeah. Let's go. <laughs> so uh, Tut Tenkamen <laughs> or Tut. We're just going to call him Tut. <laughs> That's, was, good. That's a valiant effort though. Thank you. He was born around 1341 BCE in Egypt. And his name means living image of Aten, who is the name of the sun deity Tut's father and predecessor to power, Akhenaten, ordered his people to worship. And so a little bit about Egypt and why this is kind of a big deal is Egypt is a polytheistic society, which means they worship many different gods, but old daddy decreed... But Tut's daddy, Tut's daddy, <laughs> decreed that everyone should worship Aten only, and that decree didn't last long. Um, but it was it was it was not well received by a lot of people. Sure. So he dies, and Tut takes over at nine, and reverses the decree. And I just have to ask, what were you doing at nine? I was in fourth grade. Uh begging my mom to let me get my ears pierced um and that's it okay <laughs> i had so i couldn't even get my fucking ears pierced unless my mom said so at nine he's running a whole country i mean yes no i don't like it i was trying i was either in the third or fourth grade i maybe fifth grade but yeah. i was trying to skip class to get to science lab because i was a science nerd oh, and our teacher had a chinchilla that i just <gasps> wanted to like play with and she yeah, had same. like a really cool science lab that was just like full of crazy animals okay. i was also like crushing slash dating my little elementary oh. school boyfriend oh you had a boyfriend oh yeah a boyfriend oh my god you scandy i know you scandy nine-year-old <laughs> Um, I was always going out to his house and hanging out in his tree house. Oh, riding, oh my God. Riding my little bike over there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting this image of like nine-year-old Jordan on a little like pink bike. Maybe like stream. I don't know how girly your bike was, but maybe there were, oh, they streamers. were streamers. Oh, yes. I was correct. Okay. I'm pretty sure there was a basket too. Mm-hmm. Like the whole thing. Did you have like a bell or a horn? I had a bell. Yeah, me too. I had a bell and a horn. I think I asked for the bike horn for, from Santa one year. <laughs> Do you know one time I asked Santa for a bike and he got one that was too big. And so I had to write him a letter saying, Santa, my bike's too big for me. Can you please replace it with a smaller one? <laughs> no. And then Santa did. Santa, he's always there for us, man. Man, Mr. Claus and I, we tight. Hell yeah, brother. So Let's I go. actually asked my mom what I was like at nine. She was like, she said, and I quote, I was a hot mess with messy hair. 
Okay. Okay, Elizabeth. <laughs> and I honestly don't know what's changed. I'm going to remain silent. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to, nope. <laughs> Not going there. Okay, so back to Tut. Back okay. to Tut. So he takes over at nine, says, fuck you, dad. We're going to worship all the gods. But he only rules for 10 years. Damn. And because it was so short, there's not much known about what he was like during his rule or if anything happened. But I just have to say, can you imagine a teenager ruling a country? Like, what if a teenager ruled America? I'm just picturing, like, Charlie D'Amelio taking office right now. I don't know how that would, how well that would go. I have a the picture of everyone's being required to learn a new TikTok dance Ooh, each week. That might be kind of fun. It'd get everyone it, up off their feet. It would. 30 minutes of exercise. 60 minutes of play. <gasps> That's how you get Generation Z to move. Charlie D'Amelio for president. <laughs> <laughs> or the president hits the woe after his presidential speech. Whoa. My fellow American dabs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Tut was a tall child, but he was physically very weak and frail, and he had a club foot. Okay. Um, and he apparently had a bone disease that made him this way. And this is all due to traditional inbreeding within the royal family. So, like, oh, yeah. that was a big thing in Egyptian culture was to keep the bloodline pure. You would just have, like, massive inbreeding. Um, and so History.com says that uh, DNS tests, I'm not going to lie, I don't really know what the S stands for. <laughs> DNS, or it could have been A, and I just accidentally typed S, but... Whatever. It's fine. They reveal, or tests that were published in 2010 revealed that Tut's parents were brother and sister. Oh my God. And that, when I read that and then wrote it, it gave me a shiver because I have siblings. That's, <laughs> that's so nasty. Well, you know, and I was just thinking, like, that was so common in not just Egypt, but like in so many royal families around the world. Like, the, like, I mean, hell, like the British monarchy. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, you know, cousins are always, were always marrying each other. So that's so, that's weird. You know, the first time I ever really learned about that, because I don't really teach you that, but mm -hmm. when I first learned about it was watching um, the uh, 2007 Pride and Prejudice remake. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mr. Collins, <laughs> the hated cousin. Yeah. And I was like, I turned to my mom. I was like, wait, he can't marry them. That's their cousin. And she was like, Oh, uh, and she had to explain the whole thing to me. I was distraught. That is, it's, I mean, yeah, I don't like it. That's not correct. Well, and to keep on this trend, Tut's own wife, whose name is longer than Tut's, oh God. and I'm just going to call her Ank. Ank? Ank. Ank. A-N-K. Okay. There's a lot of letters after that, but. Okay. So his own wife was his half-sister. Oh. So, and because of this, sadly, he, so they had two daughters, but both were stillborn. Oh. Which is horrible, but also it happens when you inbreed. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I'm sad about the babies dying, but also that's what's going to happen mm -hmm. when you do that. So at first when they found Tut and they started to examine him um, after, you know, in the 20s when they found him mm -hmm. um there was a hole in the back of his skull which made historians think he was assassinated but they later realized that the hole was made during the mummification process so okay. um there was like 
a little bit of an assassination rumor going around, but it was quickly uh, debunked. So what historians think is the cause of Tut's death is a combination of a couple of things. So a 1995 CT scan showed Tut had an infected broken leg and a DNA test revealed he had multiple malaria infections. Mm. So if you don't know, malaria damages red blood cells and can result in anemia. You can get malaria from a parasite that infects mosquitoes. Um, And if someone gets it, they can get very sick with like high fevers, shaky chills, flu-like symptoms. And in 2018, over 400,000 people died from malaria. Most of them were children in Africa. So if that many people are dying from this disease, imagine ancient Egypt. Tut didn't stand a chance. No. Also, quick side note. During this holiday break, my mom... (laughs) My mom and my dad and I, my brothers were elsewhere, but my mom, my dad, and I were in the living room watching something, and I'm not really paying attention. My mom goes, what animal kills the most human beings in a year? And we both are like, what? She goes, what do you think it is? And my dad's like, like, has the most confirmed, like, he's like, like, kills people, and I went, has the most confirmed kills? (laughs) I was like, are they animal assassins or... Or what? But I was like, cow. It's a cow. It's got to be a cow. Because everyone's thinking like, oh, it's a shark or oh, it's a this. But sure. She was like, I think she was like, I first thought it was a hippo. But anyway, she goes, it's mosquitoes. Mosquitoes kill the most human beings. And that makes sense because they infect them with things like malaria. That makes a scary amount of sense. And I hate it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I hate skeeters. I hate skeeters. During summer, I just douse myself in lavender. Oh, God. Yeah. No, I... Get and lemongrass. No, absolutely not. Get them away from me. I smell. I smell like an infuser. Like just <laughs> all the time. I smell like a yoga studio. Just all the time. I'm not that like uh like holistic, natural. I don't know what the word would be for that. I just douse myself and off, so I just smell like a campsite all the time. <laughs> she just smells like summer camp. Yep. 1998. I don't know. No. I don't know. I, I went to, to summer guess. camp in like 2005. Oh. Does that count? Summer camp 2005. Okay. Summer camp. Ma'am, what is that smell? Ah, oh, it is essence of summer camp 2005. Church camp 2005. A. A. Okay. Back to Tut. Back to Tut. Yeah. So he dies. And according to ancient Egypt tra- Egyptian tradition, he is preserved and provisioned for the afterlife through mummification. Mummification is the process of preserving a body after death by deliberately drying or embalming flesh. This typically involved removing moisture from a deceased body, using chemicals or natural preservatives such as resin to desiccate the flesh and organs. In Egypt, they removed organs, uh, they removed the organs and wrapped the bodies in resin-soaked bandages, then placed a 24-pound solid gold portrait on the head and shoulders. And I've decided after reading that and writing it and researching it, that's how I want to be taken care of when I die. (laughs) Erect monuments. Put all my shit with me. Have a parade. Do it big. I don't really know how to respond to that. I'm going to just say noted and I'll make sure it happens. Assuming that you die first. (laughs) Many years from now. Many, many, many moons from now. do it (laughs) so unfortunately poor tut he did not have a large tomb and it was thought that his death was 
so unexpected that his successor, I, which is literally just A Y, hmm. I, okay, rushed through everything. Um, and I'm gonna put like quote unquote small tomb into perspective. He was still buried with over five thousand artifacts, including furniture, chariots, clothes, weapons, and one hundred and thirty of the lame king's walking sticks. The lame king's walking sticks. Literally canes. Like one hundred and thirty of them. And I'm just saying the only thing that could that made sense to me when I was trying to visualize one hundred and thirty walking sticks is if you buried me with one hundred and thirty pairs of my heels. <laughs> I mean I guess that's fair. I Okay, you know what? <laughs> Who has 130 walking sticks? Was, was Tut like, man, gotta look fresh for the people every day every time I step out of the palace. Were they like different colors? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I want to know. These are the questions that are burning in the back of my mind. If you were an Egyptologist, let us know. I want to know. Please. Send I us pictures. Know. Please. All the pictures. Send All. us one. There's 130 of them. You can spare one. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> so... I remember when I said that, so he was buried with over 5,000 artifacts, and I said at the beginning there weren't even that many that were found when Carter found it. Yeah. That's because the entrance of the corridor was apparently looted soon after the burial, but the inner rooms remained sealed. So, like, some of it was looted. Okay. But, um the parts that remained were, like, the innermost parts, because a lot of these tombs are, like, mazes and some are, I think they said some were like booby trapped and stuff like this. So mm-hmm. like it's harder to find the innermost sanctum of these tombs. Um, so the and unfortunately because it's a smaller tomb, it was rushed through. He was a young king, like he's super famous now. But back then, um, the pharaohs who followed Tut chose to ignore his reign, mm-hmm. despite his work to restore um, Amon. Um, which are restoring Amon, which is like the original deity that the head deity that they worshipped. Mm-hmm. Um, he was tainted by the connection to his father's religious upheavals. Um, and so within a few generations, the tomb's entrance had been clogged with stone debris um, built over by workmen's huts and forgotten. And so mm-hmm. that's like a lot of where the mystery comes from because he wasn't, they thought he was in the valley of the tombs of the kings but mm-hmm. he wasn't there. He was elsewhere, and they found him. And then later on, which I'll talk about, they actually will, they, they like put him back into that valley. Hmm. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay. So where is he now? Where'd he go? So artifacts from King Tut's tomb have uh, toured the world in several blockbuster museum shows. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Eight million visitors in seven U.S. cities viewed the exhibition of the golden burial mask and 50 other precious items from the tomb. Mm. Today, the most fragile artifacts, including the mask, no longer leave Egypt. Uh, Tut's mummy remains on display within a tomb in the Valley of the Kings of the Valley of the Tomb of the Kings. Sorry, or for short, the Valley of the Kings. In the KV-62 chamber, his layered coffins replaced with a climate-controlled glass box. His golden mask is on display at the Egyptian uh, Museum in, is it Sirio? Is that how you pronounce that? Sirio? I think, how does it spell? 
C-A-I-R-O. C, yeah, that's how I would die. I don't know if that's right, but we're going to go with it. Cereo. Sorry. (laughs) We're sorry. We're new at this. I can't help it. Um, But Tut's uh, collection will eventually move to the Grand Egyptian Museum, or GEM, slated to open in 2021 because 2020 fucked everything up. That's when it was originally supposed to open. Yeah. Woohoo. So, why is January 3rd so significant to this story? Why? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) On January 3rd, 1924, the sarcophagus of King Tut was opened, releasing a curse. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know what that sound is. (laughs) (laughs) Like someone falling. (laughs) Help. I'm I'm sorry for everything. (laughs) So... The curse of King Tut, or the curse of the pharaohs, unleashed death and destruction upon all who dared to disturb his eternal slumber. And this, this next part is a quote from a, that was apparently transcribed from one of the tombs. Just so you know a little bit more about, like, curse of pharaohs. Um, so while King Tut's is probably the most famous, it was something that was very widely... Um, widely known with Egyptian pharaohs in general like there's a there's a curse because they're supposed to be going to the afterlife mm-hmm. and you've disturbed that so now they're like mad oh. um so here's the quote so cursed be those that disturb the rest of pharaoh they that shall break the seal of this tomb shall meet death by a disease which no doctor can diagnose i I'm scared to even be talking about this now. <laughs> I don't like it. We didn't break into the Pharaoh's sarcophagus well, or I'm, his tomb. I know, but. And honestly, 2020 has been pretty much enough of a curse. You know what? Didn't didn't um, somebody um, like in either early 2020 or late 2019, like open a sarcophagus or some, some <gasps> didn't they? I think you're right. Oh. I'm just saying. Oh, my God. It's real. That's the reason why 2020 was the way it was. This is their The fault. curse of the pharaohs. Curse of the pharaohs. We're sorry. We repent. We repent. I'm sorry, I Mr. Pharaoh. I, I, listen, please <laughs> help me. <laughs> okay, so during the last hundred years or so, the phrase curse of the pharaohs has been used to describe a cause of a large assortment of ills. These range from natural disasters to mild stomach disorders and often plague tourist often plagues tourists to Egypt. So brings them there. Um, And I'm going to go through 10, that's right, 10 people on Carter's, um, uh, from Carter's excavation um, to, and and talk about what happened to them once they opened the sarcophagus of King Tut and like what they are, what what happened to them and and the curse that followed them. I didn't realize like Tut, at least 10 people got fucked up by this. I knew oh, yeah. that, like, I, I kind of knew that Carter got, oh know, yeah, his, uh, his whatever, but damn. Oh yeah. oh yeah. So George Herbert, AKA Lord C. <laughs> he is the man who financed the excavation of King Tut's tomb and was the first to succumb to the supposed curse. Lord C accidentally tore open a mosquito bite while shaving and ended up dying of blood poisoning shortly thereafter. 
This occurred within a few months after the tomb was opened and a mere six weeks after the press started reporting on a mummy's curse, which was thought to be, which was thought to afflict anyone associated with disturbing the mummy. Legend has it that when Lord C died, all the lights in his house mysteriously went out. Shut the fuck up. Spooky. That's like spook spook. Ooh, much spook. I don't. No. <laughs> Just no. Okay. Number two. Oh, oh God. Okay. Sir Bruce Ingham. Okay. Um, so Howard Carter discovered the tomb. He gave a paperweight to his friend Ingham as a gift. The paperweight approximately consisted of a mummified hand wearing a bracelet that was, um, that was supposedly inscribed with the phrase, Cursed be he who moves my body. Ingham's house burned to the ground not long after receiving the gift. When he tried to rebuild, it was hit by a flood. Stop it. Okay, why why would someone think that that was a good gift? Can you imagine? What if that was your Christmas gift that I gave you? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be happy. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even think to give that to you. But that's like all they did is they just, they just. You know, you have to think about it. He'd been, Carter had been digging up mummies since 17, age 17. He's probably in his like 30s now. You know, like for the better part of a couple of decades, he, yeah, because he, yeah, for the better part of a couple of decades, he'd just been digging up mummies. So like that stuff doesn't bother him. And I don't really, I didn't really do a lot of digging into Ingham to like see if he was also... Mm-hmm. A, an archaeologist or um was part of the excavation more than just this but i have a feeling that back then they were like if it's weird and cool and morbid we want it in our house i mean i guess that's fair but it, it's just funny to me like I, i'd be like get that bad juju out of here i don't want that <laughs> bless this house <laughs> okay so number three george j gould so gould was a wealthy american financier and a railroad executive who visited the tomb of King Tut in 1923 and fell sick almost immediately afterwards. He never really recovered and died of pneumonia a few months later. Damn. Number four, Aubrey Herbert. It is said that Lord C's half-brother suffered from King Tut's curse merely by being related to him. Aubrey Herbert was born um, with a degenerative eye condition and became totally blind late in life a doctor suggested that his rotten that his rotten infected teeth were somehow interfering with his vision and herbert had every single tooth pulled from his head in an effort to regain his sight and as you could clearly tell now it didn't work i I'm confused how the teeth connect to the eyes. That's that's my question, is how did that connect? In the song, does it go, the teeth bones connected to the eye bone? Wait. No. Wait. Wait. No. No, it doesn't. That's not how that works. <gasps> wow. So he did, however, die of sepsis as a result of the surgery just five months after the death of his supposedly cursed brother. What a concept. (laughs) I'm just upset. Like, what the fuck? You know what? No, I don't accept that as a curse. I accept (laughs) that as just like, what are you doing, 1920s medicine? No. Right? 
Number five, Hugh Evelyn White. Evelyn White, a British archaeologist, visited Tut's tomb and may have helped excavate the site. After seeing death sweep over about two dozen of his fellow excavators by 1924, Evelyn White hung hung himself, but not before writing, allegedly in his own blood, I have succumbed to a curse which forces me to disappear. That's really spooky. So spook. Spooky spook. Number six, uh, Aaron Ember, American arche- um, sorry, American Egyptologist Aaron Ember was friends with many of the people who were present when the tomb was open, including Lord C. <laughs> Ember died in 1926 when his house in Baltimore burned down less than one hour after he and his wife hosted a dinner party. He could have exited safely, but his wife encouraged him to save a manuscript that he had been working on while she fetched their son. Sadly, they and the family's maid died in the catastrophe. What was the name of Ember's manuscript? The Egyptian Book of the Dead. I don't like that. <laughs> that... <laughs> The Egyptian book of it. That? No. (laughs) No. Get it out of here. No, stop it. (laughs) I'm scared. Number seven, Richard Bethel. Bethel was Lord C's secretary and the first person behind Carter to enter the tomb. He died in 1929 under suspicious circumstances. He was found smothered in his room in an elite London Gentlemen's Club. Soon after, the Nottingham Post mused, the suggestion is that the Honorable Richard Bethel has come under the curse that was raised last year when there was a series of mysterious fires at its home um, where some of the priceless finds from Tut's tomb were stored. No evidence of any connection between the artifacts and Bethel's death have been established, though. Okay, I have so many questions. Talk um, to me. So... I know, you know, spook, spook, we like the curse idea. Great. Are there any suspects as to who could have done that? Because it sounds like just good old-fashioned murder. Yeah. I don't know. That's really fucked up. Yeah. I don't want to know more about that. That's crazy. I didn't see it, but we can, you know, I can, if you, if anyone out there knows anything. I would love to hear from you. Talk to us. Please. Tell us the things. I mean, that's fascinating that's interesting that someone that close to i don't know i'm just we love a good murder here at ruin your day we do if you haven't noticed already i do love a good murder so i just want to know i just okay you know what continue number eight sir archibald douglas reed that's a name that's a mouthful that's a, that's a great name so, proving that you didn't have to be one of the excavators or expedition backers to fall victim to the curse, Reed, a radiologist, merely x-rayed Tut before the mummy was given to the museum authorities. He got sick, he got sick the next day and died three days later. Yikes. <laughs> I got nothing else for that one. That's, that's spooky. Just nice and just short. A, and just a good little spookity spook. Spook. Yeah. Number nine, James Henry Breasted. That's also a name. The name. That's a name. Mm-hmm. Breasted, another famous Egyptologist of the day, was working with Carter when the tomb was open. Shortly thereafter, he allegedly returned home to find his pet canary had been eaten by a cobra, oh. and the cobra was still occupying the cage. 
since the cobra is a symbol of the Egyptian monarchy and the motif that kings wore on their headdress to represent protection, this was a rather ominous side. Breston himself didn't die until 1935, although the, his death did occur immediately after a trip to Egypt. I have, uh, damn, <laughs> just damn to that one, right? Like that's crazy. So okay, okay wait a minute. So mm-hmm. he died in uh, what year? Nineteen nineteen thirty-five. Okay, and what year was the canary thing? I'm sorry, I was paying attention. I swear, <laughs> <laughs> it was like the same year or right after he okay. returned home from. So like that was like what ten, eleven years apart. Maybe. Yeah, that's still spooky. That's like weird. Right. Especially because he came back. Okay. You know what? I'm just rehashing it, but like, damn, that's weird. I appreciate it. Wow. Number 10, ah. Howard Carter. Ah. <laughs> so Carter actually never had a mysterious, inexplainable, uh, inexplicable, whatever, that illness. Word. That word. <laughs> that <laughs> Words word. are hard today. <laughs> um, it's Monday. Yes, it is. Um, So he never had a mysterious illness, and his house never fell victim to any fiery disasters. He actually died of lymphoma at the age of 64. His tombstone even says, quote, May your spirit live. May you spend millions of years, um, you who love Thebes, sitting with your face to the north wind, your eyes beholding happiness, end quote. Perhaps the pharaohs saw fit to spare him from their curse. What year did he die? What year was that? You know, <laughs> I had it, and then I decided, like, not to put it, but he was born in well, 1874, if- and he died at 64. Okay, so that was pretty shortly after he went in then. So, like, maybe, like, okay, so... I mean, it was 1938. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's not that long after. It's ten plus years like yeah yeah it's like 12 10, years 10 to 15 we'll we'll put it in that range nice range <laughs> i like a range i like a good range too just give me a range and i'm good um but no i mean that's not that no it's not that far away that's yeah still that's still what's the word of the day spooky spook spooky spook so um so those are the 10 that i was going to talk about but when i was doing my research like i said half of um their their group, their exploration group um, that excavated the area, like they died within like five wow. to 10 years of, um, of discovering and opening that sarcophagus. And really, if you think about it, he died, if it took him, if it took them 10 years to excavate, that would have been 33. He died five years. Carter died five years after finishing supervising the, yeah. the complete excavation of the tomb. So, you know, Maybe they waited. Long game. The pharaohs are in it for the long game. Damn, that is some... Now, I did... This might ruin your day. I'm ready. But I did when I was researching. So the whole curse of the pharaohs, the whole reason why it got so big and that it was circulated is actually it was done by Carter and a bunch of other people who had discovered these tombs. And they, they said it to these reporters and to the media to like mass... Um, produce this like phony curse so that um, people wouldn't be deterred from coming in and looting further the the tomb as they oh. continue to open it up and excavate more. And so they were like, oh my God, there's this big curse. If you like blah, 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 if you open it, um, you're going to die and all this stuff. So it like was supposed to deter robbers and thieves and people who are trying to like make a 
make a pretty penny off these artifacts. So that in a lot of my research, that is what I learned about like the kind of the origins of this quote unquote curse. Hmm. Interessante. Yes. I, but I mean, I mean, that's so wild. I mean, that's interesting that they, um, like they were the ones that kind of orchestrated that, but I mean, they, to, listen, I'm, I love a good conspiracy theory. I love a good spooky story there. I mean, there was so much, there was so much like in the tomb and like on that brace, what was it? A bracelet or a paperweight that he gave that guy mm-hmm. that said like, is a paperweight that had an, ex- an inscription on it, yeah. but it doesn't say if the inscription was like a writ, like that it was like untouched, literally Carter like, oh, picked yeah, it up right. and placed it. Or if he put it in, put the hand in resin and then etched on to continue with the curse. Like it doesn't okay. tell me that. Interessante. Yeah. That's spooky. That's still spooky. Much spook. Much spook. Such scary. Wow. Wow. (laughs) So that is, that is the story of King Tut and the Curse of the Pharaohs. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. Stop it. No, don't keep going. (laughs) Oh, yes. I am spooked spooked that's just the word of the day folks what's today's word spooked spooked spooky <laughs> spook it means being honestly i think spook. when i was doing this research my favorite story was the cobra eating the canary yes that one okay listen i don't want a canary to be harmed in the making of this podcast but like and there will be no canaries harmed in the making of this podcast but like that's a fucking scary story and that like really that really did spook me because I mean it's like you were saying like that was the symbol of Egypt and it somehow got in that canary's cage and was still there and was still fucking sitting there like yeah I did it what of it that's the most cobra-y thing to do is just be like yeah I ate your canary and I'm here to prove that I did and I'd do it again and I'd do it again (laughs) I did it and I'd do it again so yeah that's creepy (laughs) That's a lot. Thank you. Good job. Well, thank you. Um, well, well, we've done it again. We've, or we've done it for the first time. We've officially done it. We've done it. We did the damn thing. We did it. And I am really excited for this new little adventure we're taking. I am too. This yeah. is going to be a lot of fun. We always love feedback. Yes. And or episode suggestions. And we can be reached at ruinyourdaypodcast at gmail.com. Or, um, well, not or, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Ruin Your Day Podcast and on Twitter at Ruin Your Day Pod One. We don't know why that happened. Yeah, not sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're going we're gonna to roll with it because, yeah, <laughs> that's all we can do at this point. Yes, that is exactly it. So. so, but yes, follow us on all the things. We thank y'all so much for, again, deciding to tune in to this episode, for listening. Um, and thank you to all of our amazing supporters who are out there who yes. have given us advice and have, um, you know, given us, um, their very candid feedback, kind feedback, but very candid, which we appreciate Yes, some constructive criticism. We love it. We're going to continue to build off of that and just get better and better as we continue to make more episodes. Yes. So thank you very much to our wonderful friends and family for everything. Yes. Y'all are literally the best. Yeah. So, well, if that's it, I think we're done ruining your day. I think that's, I, we hope your day is ruined. And, that's all uh, I can hope for. You know, that's really, that's really my greatest wish is that your day is thoroughly ruined. 
Goodbye. Goodbye.